Today, we're going to cover the 2020 Democrat candidates and their positions on gun control, Trump's anti-suppressor comments, a certain comedian's ignorance of firearms and the concept of individual rights, and I have a conversation with one of the prominent members of the 2A Liberal subreddit. This and more after the intro. The Second Amendment Liberal Podcast. Welcome back to Episode 9 of the Second Amendment Liberal Podcast. I'm your host, Brad. I'm back after a semi-short hiatus of getting some aspects of my life in order. A lot has transpired since the last episode, and there has certainly been no shortage of anti-gun buffoonery. With the 2020 election right around the corner, a deluge of Democrat candidates have descended upon us in droves. All of them, from Kamala Harris to Cory Booker and even Andrew Yang, seem to be in a match to see who can concoct the most draconian, severe, and nonsensical gun control proposals they possibly can. When Andrew Yang first hit the scene, I was intrigued and hopeful with what he had to say, specifically in regards to the inevitable incoming automation of jobs and its implications and consequences. I may not fully agree with what he has spelled out on his platform about this matter, but he's literally the only candidate talking about such a real and pertinent issue. To my dismay, as spelled out in black and white on his website under his policy positions, he utterly destroys any notion that I'd ever consider casting a vote for him by just how moronic and unconstitutional his gun control proposal is. Yang supports a federal license to own a firearm. Not only that, there will be several tiers of ownership based on the type of firearm. He also supports universal background checks, submitting DNA and fingerprints to the FBI, a ban on standard capacity magazines, mandatory inspection of your home by law enforcement for proof of safekeeping of firearms, and even registration of these firearms, among other things. His position is so severe that he makes the other candidates look somewhat sane. Do you have any idea how hard it is to make the establishment Democrats look palatable on gun control policy? Yang is such a disappointment, and it has further taught me never to get my hopes up and to assume the worst whenever I start to get excited about a candidate, and to ensure I thoroughly vet them before tossing in my support. It's as if these candidates are reading off the same script. They don't call it gun control, they call it gun safety. They don't call it semi-automatic, they call it an assault weapon, which apparently has now been expanded to include things like the Ruger 1022 in Washington State under the I-639 bill. I'm certainly not voting for Trump, but based on the hive mind the Democrats currently occupy regarding our gun rights, I'm not voting for any of them either. Looks like I'm either going third party or just setting this one out entirely. Speaking of Trump, recently in the aftermath of the Virginia Beach shooting where a suppressor was supposedly used by the perpetrator, Trump went on record stating he doesn't like suppressors and will seek to ban them, just as we warned Trump supporters when he voiced support for getting rid of bump stocks and bypassing due process to screw over gun owners. He once again has proven us correct in that he is no friend of the Second Amendment and has no understanding of firearms and the accoutrements surrounding them. 
Witnesses to the shooting said they heard gunshots, but when you turn on CNN or read the trash you'll find on Slate or BuzzFeed, they'll have you believing nobody heard a peep until a pistol was shoved right in their face. All of us gun people know suppressors, or silencers if you will, don't actually silence a gunshot. They just bring the decibels of the shot down to hearing safe levels. It's still loud and still identifiable as a gunshot. It just doesn't damage your hearing. A suppressed gunshot has been compared to a jackhammer or a rock concert, which is an accurate description. People rely too heavily on movies to inform their stupid opinions of what guns and accessories do in real life. Let's work on getting some education out there to the masses so they can no longer be fooled by mainstream media milking gun myths to stir up emotions in people to get them to ban things they don't understand. Speaking of the ignorant masses, comedian D.L. Hughley a few weeks ago went on an anti-gun virtue signaling rant against gun ownership in the aftermath of the Virginia Beach shooting, and it bothered me so much I felt the need to pick it apart. Let's examine what he had to say. So an event occurred in America that is happening all too common, uh, all too often. Uh, there was a man who walked into a place, a former place of employment, and decided to slaughter his co-workers. His name was Dwayne Craddock. He was a municipal worker in Virginia Beach, Virginia. He walked in and murdered 11 people. Now, it has taken me this long to respond, not because he was black, as has been said on my social media page. Is it because I have had this conversation over and over again? I knew he was black by the fact that he got arre- he got killed. <laughs> Generally, if they're white, they get apprehended. No. These shooters, for the most part, commit suicide when they're put up against actual resistance. Thus, they crumble. Thus, they kill themselves or they surrender. Thus, the being taken into custody part. When someone goes into an active shooter situation, the last fucking thing on their mind is, what race is this person? If they're black, I'm going to shoot them. If they're white, I'm going to let them go. No. If someone's murdering people, you shoot them. And if they have dropped their weapon, you apprehend them. Find me one instance where there was a black shooter and he was in the process of surrendering and then the cops killed him. Show this to me. That isn't the point at all. My point is that all too often in America, we are... Accept the notion that our freedom costs other people's lives. Yes, that is the very essence of freedom and individual liberties. You are allowed to do things because you are not personally responsible when someone else commits an act of violence by abusing the rights, by abusing the freedoms that we have. You don't hold other people accountable for the actions of others. Furthermore, you're acting as if the very presence of firearms, the very fact that firearms are able to be owned, is causing the issue. No. As Brother Malcolm X said, we need to get to the root of the problem. We need to get to the core of the problem. Guns are not the core of the problem here. That it is acceptable that because we have a Second Amendment that somebody else can walk in and have access to weapons they shouldn't have and slaughter people who are just going to work. Exactly and precisely where in the text of the Second Amendment is it supposedly all about allowing people to walk into their workplace and shoot innocent people? The Second Amendment has absolutely nothing in any capacity whatsoever to do with that. The people that do this are committing criminal acts. They are abusing their right. Target these people and leave the rest of us the hell alone. 
It's an amazing calculation that in America we seem to be okay with the fact that this happens so often that honestly you can't tell whether the flags are lowered or half mad for this event or that one. Is one mass shooting too many? Absolutely. Is it occurring as commonly as you suggest? No. Statistically, no, it is not. Mass shootings are very, very uncommon. There are over 300 million people in this country. You think that something like this is not bound to happen? Of course it's going to, but it's up to us as individuals to mitigate the chances of this happening by implementing things that actually address the problem, such as socioeconomic fixes, mental health fixes. Focusing on the tool does absolutely nothing but hurt the law-abiding. More than a million Americans since the 60s have been slaughtered at the hands of other Americans. Oh, I absolutely hate this statistic. That number includes everything from homicides to justifiable homicides, police shootings, gang shootings, suicides that are being misconstrued as homicides. The numbers are padded, and they're padded for a reason. And that reason is to brainwash people like you into thinking there is some sort of severe gun-related problem in this country. No, we have a drug gang problem, and we have a suicide problem. And a suicide problem primarily considering that two-thirds of all gun-related deaths are due to suicide. And it's funny, race does play a part. Not in the way you think it does. But imagine this. Imagine he had been, or she had been, a Muslim. Would America be this quiet? Is it who we're murdered by that decides how angry we are or how compassionate we are? Now on this point, you and I agree. Both sides are guilty of this. If a black person commits a mass shooting, no one wants to talk about it on the left because they don't want to make it seem as if black people are villains. And then you have people on the right who love to insinuate that every single Muslim is a terrorist whenever a Muslim person commits a mass shooting. Now, now on the flip side, people on the left don't say a fucking peep if the weapons involved are not quote-unquote assaulty. If it's just a handgun or a lever-action rifle, or a revolver, or a bolt-action rifle. Not a fucking peep. This shooting probably would not have been newsworthy if it were not for the use of a suppressor. Nobody on the left would have gave a fuck because they can't use it as an instance to push gun control because handguns are not scary enough, and handguns are what were used in this situation. We have a gun violence problem in America, and it's one that we're way, way too comfortable with. DL, come on, man. Come on. If you actually look at the statistics, as I pointed out earlier, two-thirds of all gun deaths are suicides. The majority of outright homicides are committed by gang violence. The stats are padded to make it appear like we have a gun violence problem. We have a gang problem. We have a suicide problem. And no gun control proposal is going to solve this. Fucking with people who do not partake in any of these activities is not going to magically make the problems go away. 
Furthermore, the reason why people like me are so hesitant to move forward with any plans to address these problems is because inevitably someone like you comes along with some authoritarian fucked up plan to wrest our firearms away from us unconstitutionally, violating our rights. Trading our rights away is not going to solve the problem. Now, politicians don't even pray anymore. They don't even say things like where our, our thoughts, thoughts and prayers are with you anymore because they know that God can't hear America over the sound of gunfire. What a bunch of hyperbolic, tugging at the heartstrings, emotionally manipulative trash. Nonsense. Furthermore, as an atheist, I find your insinuation that God can't hear people over gunfire to be hilarious because isn't God supposed to be a supreme being of ultimate unlimited power? How would it be possible for gunshots to block out him hearing? That makes no fucking sense in and of itself. It is illegitimate. It is disingenuous to pretend like we care anymore. If we did, we would do something about it. And I used to be angry at the politicians, but now that's wrong. They only do what we allow them to do. Yes, you are correct. I do not allow politicians to strip me of my rights due to the abuse of these rights by people that I have nothing to do with. You do not hold me accountable for something that someone else did. And if that's your idea of how to proceed, you can fuck right on off. You don't get to act all high and mighty when you have some crackpot authoritarian idea of the ruination of our rights and trading them for the false sense of security. We are accomplices. The American electorate has decided we'll be quiet while our brothers and sisters are slaughtered in the streets. We'll only get mad if they're from a foreign country or speak a different tongue or have a different religion or worship a different God. It only matters then. If being concerned that my human rights are going to be stripped away due to a fear-mongering premise that rarely ever occurs, then go right ahead and call me an accomplice. Furthermore, I know you're referring to terror attacks such as 9-11, and do you remember what happened in the aftermath of that? Yes, that's right. Our rights were reduced, and what did we get in return? Nothing. Nothing. So, you want to go ahead and do the same thing, but in other aspects of our lives? Take that and shove it up your ass. I refuse. But the truth of the matter is those young men and women and boys and girls and sisters and fathers and brothers are dead and their families will never see them again. Which is sad, which is unfortunate, which should never happen. However, you're acting like I personally killed these people. You're acting like the millions and millions of gun owners who go about every year somehow magically never harming anyone are personally responsible as if they were personally present and pulled the trigger. You see, there's this concept called personal responsibility. You might want to look into it. Are we? Are you really trying to say that an evolved society says it's okay, this is the price of freedom, to watch people being slain in the streets like this, to watch our children not be able to go to school or to a movie or to a mall? Yes, because in evolved societies, you hold people accountable for the things that they personally have done. If you do not have a solution which addresses the problem, you don't just throw anything at the fucking wall and see what sticks. 
if we can come together and come up with an actual solution that actually addresses the actual problem, I'm all on board. Until that day, don't you come to me demanding that I give up my rights and my freedoms based on what some motherfucker somewhere else that I have nothing to do with did. Get out of here with that nonsense. I used to think that the politicians were cowards. I used to think they were beholden to the gun lobby. I used to think that they weren't brave enough. They wouldn't risk anything. I used to think it was them. It is us. They are a reflection of who we are. Yes, that is what America is all about. The ability for you to exercise personal freedoms so long as you are not harming anyone else. Owning a firearm is not actively harming anyone unless you specifically go and do that action. Preemptively proclaiming that everyone is too irresponsible to have a firearm because mass shootings occasionally happen is nonsensical to the extreme. If the concept of individual responsibility and rights offends you, there's a litany of other countries all around this world that would probably be better suited for you, sir. If this is happening every day, so often in America that we are numb to it, it is no longer them who we can call the cowards. It is us. It's not happening every day. It's just not. It's false. It does not happen every day. Furthermore, the only cowards here are the people who are in the streets clamoring for the government to take their rights away. It is cowardly to see what is going on in America and refuse to do something about it when you would if he had a Muslim name. You would if he were a different color. You would if you worship a different God. Why does this quote unquote something that you always beg for us to do have to result in the inevitable destruction and bypassing of our civil liberties. Just because a foreigner commits an act of terrorism doesn't mean I approve of the inevitable rights reductions that follow. That's not a good pattern to follow. We should not follow this established pattern of constantly fucking us over whenever someone commits an act of violence or terrorism or whatever it may be. Either we love America and the people who reside here, we love the people that we work with or we worship with or we are entertained with, or we don't. So push for socioeconomic and mental health fixes. Don't concentrate on the firearms of millions of people who aren't even doing anything wrong. I push it back onto you, sir. You either respect the constitutional boundaries that exist for very good reasons to restrict government intervention into our lives to prevent authoritarianism of the likes that you're pushing, or you don't. And in such case you don't, get the fuck out and go somewhere else. I think in America we have to decide, do we love guns or humanity? And right now, guns are winning. That is absolutely preposterous. A CDC-touted number is that between 500,000 and 3 million people lawfully defend their lives with a firearm each year. The vast majority of these instances, a shot is not even fired. So you tell me, do these people have a choice to make just to make you feel good about yourself? Should these people put themselves at greater risk of being harmed just to make you feel good? Fuck that. Let's start working on some real solutions. None of this feel-good, hippy-dippy bullshit about getting rid of firearms as if that's somehow magically and spontaneously going to solve our problems. Get real, DL. Get real. It got a little heated there, I must admit. It just upsets me when intelligent people like DL Hughley just 
about such unthinking propaganda and nonsense. Anyways, let's transition over to someone I consider a personal friend. He's a very active help over at the 2A Liberal subreddit. He's a moderator and an active participant in the community, as well as on the Discord. He goes by the name Etta, as we call him. He is a first-gen South Korean immigrant, and you could say he has a unique perspective on firearms, especially considering the L.A. riots from the 90s and what the Korean community had to endure there. Let's check out what he has to say. Okay, so for our listeners, why don't you go ahead and explain who you are and why you are interested in gun rights. All right, so I'm Anna Karina. I'm a mod at 2A Liberals. I am 25 years old. I'm currently a student. Uh, I'm, I'm in school to be, become a doctor. Why did I get into guns? Because uh, they're cool. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I can't really say... Uh, there wasn't really necessarily any specific, one specific reason I got into guns. Yeah, but I moved to a free state uh, for school, and I thought, why the hell not take advantage of that? Here I am. Well, I hear that kind of story a lot, where people move from one restrictive state to another. So what has, what has that been like, just suddenly dawning upon you that you actually can own firearms? You know, I think... It's not really something... Well, I, I grew up in a restrictive state, uh, so it's not really something... Like, you can't know what you're missing out on until you've had it. So I think now, if I were to go back to that state, it would just be unbearable. Uh, I don't think I could ever do that. And you're and from I actually DC, don't have, right? Yeah, so I live on the Maryland... I'm, I'm from the Maryland side of uh, from for Washington, D.C. And for those of you that don't know, Maryland has... Some pretty uh yeah, some pretty crazy gun laws on the books. So gun, gun laws like what if if you don't mind? Uh okay, so they have a uh magazine capacity restriction to ten rounds. Um they explicitly ban pretty much every modern semi automatic rifle by name, with the exclusion of the Tavor uh and the X ninety five. Well that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> For reasons. Uh <laughs> and uh Oh, okay. So another another thing is, you can actually build an AR-15. You can you can own an AR platform rifle as long as it's not in two two three. If it is in two two three or five five six, it has to have a heavy barrel. Interesting. Is there any reasoning yeah. behind that? So this is just kind of hearsay. So I, don't quote me on this, but co- apparently Colt paid off the right people to get their. Uh, their rifle exempted, but because the defining feature at the time of the Colt uh, M4 is that it has a heavy barrel. Well, not the M4, but the Colt, the civilian rifle that they offer has a heavy barrel on it. Uh, basically, they use that as the defining factor for the exception. That wouldn't surprise me if that were true. Yeah, you can own an AR-15 with a heavy barrel, but not a gun profile or pencil barrel. So if if you don't mind, uh what state do you live in now? What are the gun laws like there? Yeah, so I'm in I'm in Iowa now. Pretty good gun laws here. Not the best, but also far from the worst. They as far as I'm aware, they don't have any bans on like pattern or type of gun. Do they allow open carry, concealed carry? Yeah, so open carry is 
It's a bit strange, actually. I would have to look it up. The open carry laws are a little weird, so I think they have different laws in the books for rifles as opposed to handguns. Also, if you do have... It's, it is shall issue for concealed carry, and if you get a concealed carry permit, you can open carry anything uh, legally. Ah, I see, I see. Well, yes, that, that is definitely better than where you came yeah, from. Yeah, and I'm, I'm fairly certain that you can actually open carry anything without a, any permit as long as you're not inside the city limits of a major city. I see, I see. Yeah. Now that people kind of have a sense of uh, who you are, um, I'm going to ask the traditional question here, and, and that is, what is the purpose of the Second Amendment? Well, that's a good question. I think the purpose of the Second Amendment, it's a fail-safe. It's the, the little red emergency button uh, hidden away in the back of the, the uh, cabin so that you can press it if, for some reason, you just need to reset everything, you know? So I think the, the, the primary reason behind the Second Amendment existing is so that the people will always end up holding the power. Uh, and if, for any reason, the people believe that the government has become tyrannical or does no longer represent the people's interests, then they have the means of overthrowing that, that tyrannical government. Oh, absolutely. That is absolutely the, the point, the entire point. So leading into the current political climate surrounding the Second Amendment, how do you feel about the way Democrats and Republicans are currently taking on the Second Amendment? Okay, so I, I, I think some background is warranted here, uh, just, to, just to explain my position a bit. Um, so I, I am a liberal. Um, I've grown up in a pretty blue, and I'm not pretty blue, a very blue area. Yeah, for most of my life, I hold, I still, even to this day, I hold many beliefs that would be considered very liberal. For example, I'm, I'm a climate change activist. I am pro-choice. What are some other hot topics these days? Brad, why don't you give us uh, something? Like, uh, do you support universal health care? Uh, with caveats, yes. But I also think that's that's a nuanced issue. Um, so oh, if we, we, yeah, we can go into that more later if you want. But I think the idea of it eventually becoming a thing in the U.S. does appeal to me. However, I think the current system is not is not going to work and never can work. I, I, yeah. I think there is room to talk about that, but uh, I specifically want to question what what is it like these days to be a liberal gun owner? Oh. So being a liberal gun owner these days, uh, it's not fun. <laughs> it's not pleasant. Yeah, we're, we live in a, we live in strange times right now, where for whatever reason, and I, and I, I blame this on the two party system in, in this country, is that bipartisanism and identity politics have just completely overrun common sense in this country. And so now what we have are two sides just screaming and yelling at each other that they're right and the other is wrong uh, with no nuance in between, um, no room for discussion. So what's it like to be a liberal gun owner? Well, for starters, you get hate from both sides. Uh, so you get hate from liberals who either refuse to believe that you actually are liberal. I get a lot of that. I get a lot of people automatically assuming a lot of things about me from the fact that I own guns and I'm a pro 2A activist. Been called a white supremacist despite the fact that I'm Asian and not white. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so have I, and I'm black, so we have that in common. 
Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, speaking of that, you know, what unique perspective do you have being an Asian gun owner in America? And and later on, I'm going to ask you about the 1992 LA riots and such. But just just the aspect of being Asian and being a gun owner in America, what unique perspective do you think you bring to the table with that background? Uh, I I am an immigrant to this country. Um, I have since been nationalized. So I'm a U.S. citizen, but I did immigrate to this country from South Korea uh, when I was very young. And I think being an Asian gun owner in this country, you get a lot of, I think, from other Asian people, you get a lot of confusion and, like, sort of like this, like, everyone gets really unnerved when you tell them that you that you shoot guns, hmm. you know? Like, they think that something's wrong with you, like, that you must be, like, a school shooter in the making or Right, right. Like, or yeah, or like secretly you want to kill people or something, you know? Yes. Um, I get they just don't. A black gun owner too. People think I'm a drug dealer or a gangster. Or oh whatever. yeah, that. So um, you know, being, being a person of Korean descent, how do you feel about the term "roof Korean" and how it's being used in the gun <laughs> community currently? Because that's that's a that's a relatively new one. Well, I I embrace the term. Yeah, I I do. I refer. I often refer to myself as a Korean. Uh, <laughs> I think that the usage of guns by Korean Americans uh, during the 92 LA riots is one of the best examples of the Second Amendment being put to the use that it was intended for. Like, I think if the Founding Fathers had been there to see that, they would have been proud. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, how, how much more American can you get than coming to this country... Starting a business in this capitalist economy, succeeding, being discriminated and hated for your success, uh, being abandoned by the government whose duty it was to to protect you, and then deciding to take take responsibility for your own protection, band together as a community and arm yourselves to defend your community. I I think. Let's let's specifically go into the 1992 LA riots in general. How do you feel? Uh, with about the accusation that a lot of, a lot of black people have towards Korean Americans and that their businesses are inherently predatory because they're set up in black neighborhoods and they sell products that may be destructive to the community, such as alcohol, and they don't hire people from those communities. How do you feel about that? I do think there are valid points for animosity between blacks and Koreans because of you know the Latasha Harlan shooting. Of course. And um, for people who don't know, uh, do you mind elaborating on that shooting? Yeah, so a, I believe it was a 14-year-old girl named Latasha uh, Harlins was was in a convenience store or gas station that was owned by a Korean woman. And she allegedly uh, attempted to walk out with a bottle of orange juice that she hadn't paid for. And the Korean owner of the store pulled out a gun and shot her. Uh, in the back as she was leaving the store. So how do you personally feel about what allegedly occurred? I think no matter which way you spin it, that was an unjustified shooting. Uh, And I think the justice system failed in prosecuting that woman uh, to the extent that she should have been. Absolutely, and I agree with that. I definitely agree with that, but also, you know... The the actual riots themselves, I don't think that is a valid way to vent your frustration. Oh, absolutely. You know I, mean? I think to to punish an entire race or community of people because of the actions of one person is uh, is ridiculous. And honestly, if that if every per, if every person of every ethnicity or group or 
creed or ideology or whatever did that, then we would all this place would be anarchy. It would be chaos. Everyone Absolutely. would be killing each other. <laughs> and, I, and I know there's yeah. black people out there with their mouths just agape in disbelief that I would say that these uh, riots were not justified. But I don't think that is a valid way to react to anything, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think that the, the shooting of Latash Harlins was a tragedy. And I think it was unjustified. And I think the woman who shot her should have been charged for... I think she got off with like probation or or something. Yeah, she didn't even. Yeah, she didn't even get charged really for it, and really it should have been manslaughter. So but yeah, that's that's failure of the justice system. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. I, I I think I feel as you do. I'm proud of the so-called roof Koreans for using their rights to defend their livelihoods, but at the same time, the actual racial dynamics and the economic dynamics are a little complicated, and people tend to make it into a black and white issue. But there's there's grays in there. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, yeah, I agree. And also to go back and answer that question about whether the uh, uh, the Korean merchants were being you know, like opening businesses in sort of a predatory nature, I think that's pat- completely ridiculous. Because, I mean, this is a capitalist country. If you, within, you know, the the laws, the boundaries set by the law, if you're doing something and you're succeeding, then I don't think it's, I don't think people have room to hate on you for succeeding, you know? Well, I, I hear often from black people that uh, these stores opening up in their neighborhoods and them not hiring people from the community and these people are already disadvantaged that they're actually damaging that community so you don't find any value in that assessment at all i think i could definitely see that like i could i could definitely see that's a valid concern and it is damaging because you're just leeching uh money out of the community without giving anything back Oh, actually, okay. I can't even really say that because they are giving something back. It's it's a, it's a mutual exchange. It's a they're consenting to a transaction, right? So you can't really necessarily say that. But I can I can kind of see you know not hiring from the community, not really being involved in the community that they're in. You know, I can see valid complaints there. And, and you know, um, I'll actually go ahead and say this. You know, as a black person, some of the most racist people I've seen towards Asians are black people. And I've seen some horrific instances of racism originating from black people leveled onto Asian people in such a way where they, I don't even know if this is a word, but unperson or dispersoned that Asian person. Like they were, they were some fictional creature there for their amusement. And it makes me yeah, extremely uh, uncomfortable. Yeah. And I mean, I've been on the receiving end of a lot of that racism. Um, but ultimately all, Trying to stay on topic of the question, I think it's not it's not black and white like you said. Like there's factors to be looked at and examined. Like why are these people not hiring from members of the community? Well, One I might say that it's I because the Korean owners are racist, right? Right. Um, and and on the other side of the argument, you could say, well, if the riots have anything to show what kind of attitude these people have, then that's probably why they're not being hired because they're looting like. Correct. Like they're just going around burning stores, beating people up, you know, like flipping cars and shooting at just, you know, pulling up drive-by shootings. And I'll say this, I'll say this. A lot of people accuse Asian people in general of not, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, assimilating into the culture and just keeping to themselves. But I, I often feel like in this country, we don't we don't open our arms and welcome them. 
we sort of isolate them ourselves because we view them as the other. Do you know what I'm trying to say? And black people are especially guilty of this, I've noticed on many occasions. Mm. That's also, yeah, that is a point as well. And I mean, I do think Asian, well, let's say some Asian cultures do assimilate uh, pretty well, but specifically for that time period, a lot of the, most of those people were first generation or second generation. Correct, correct. Uh, and I and I don't think I think that there's always going to be a, a cultural gap. You know, no one who's a first generation immigrant assimilates 100 percent to the culture. I agree. So let, let's let's move away from this and let's go yep. to current politics. What are your views on Donald Trump and how? And what are your views on what the left at large views Donald Trump as being? Oh, okay, this is a good one. Um, well, the beauty of this country is that. The, the the first amendment grants me the right to say what i'm about to say <laughs> and that is that i think donald trump is a fucking idiot um <laughs> i'm in i think i think he's a narcissist i think he is dishonest and i think that he is a terrible human being as for his policy you know honestly if i'm being completely objective his policy has actually not been as bad as I had originally anticipated. In what way? I think, okay, well, let's, if we rewind a bit, right? Uh, when Obama was running for president, he promised to end the wars in the Middle East, right? And then we voted him in, and he st- promptly started two more wars. So, right off the bat, I think that was a huge red flag. At least with Trump, he's not actively seeking to start new wars although nowadays he's a uh, there is some stuff going on with iran so maybe yes, i might have to yeah i might have to retract that statement later on but yeah i think it's not as bad well yeah i would say it's not as bad as i had thought it was going to be you know when during the election everyone was like losing their minds uh, like <laughs> i know you know like oh he's gonna drive this country into ruin they haven't stopped um, losing their minds <laughs> that is true i mean that being said though there are a lot of policies of his that i don't like as well so such as what such as what's something of one of his policies that you dislike okay so i am i I will fully admit i'm coming from a place of ignorance here i don't know enough about this topic to really have a solid uh nuanced opinion on it so bear with me but i don't think that the trade war that he's conducting with china is going to benefit america in the long run because i mean the way i see it is this this is how capitalism works you get ahead the other person gets ahead. You both get ahead. Whoever gets more ahead, you know, that's up to what you can do to get even more ahead. But right now, what Trump is trying to do is like, oh, well, these people are gaining more than we gain from being partners, you know, from being from trading with each other. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to stop. And, and yes, it's going to hurt us, but it's going to hurt them, too. So. Uh, yeah, I, I don't agree with just the basic philosophy behind that. Uh, I think that as long as both countries are winning, it doesn't matter who's winning more in the long run. Right, right. And, and I, I can agree with that. So about Donald Trump's policy on gun rights, how do you feel about that? Well, he's a New York Democrat and has been his whole life. So anyone who thinks that Donald Trump is pro-gun is just uh, blinding themselves, I think. Oh, absolutely. Uh, he's... I think he said enough things, you know, like he's let enough things slip that it's very clear that he's personally anti-gun, even if he's re- he's required to 
you know, put on the charade of being somewhat pro-gun or at least neutral on the issue to like please uh, constituents. For example, the whole take the guns first, do process second. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that was questionable. Yeah, yeah, Donnie, that's not how it works. Um, just t- just today or yesterday, didn't he say he does not like? Oh yeah, silencers? suppressors. I don't like them. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, bump stock ban. Yes. Occurred yes. under Trump, right? Actually, while we're on the topic of the bump stock ban, I just, I want to say something. Sure. Like, I think, I think a lot of us in the, or a lot of people in the gun community were not necessarily eager to give up bump stocks, but they thought of it like, oh, if we give this concession, the other side will feel like they've done something. And then, you know, like, really, we're not losing much because bump stocks are just useless toys. And it's like no one really cares that much about them one way or the other, and so we're like we're, like, we're going to lose something that we don't really care about, uh, and we're going to like stave off losing our actual rights. And so they viewed it as a sort of like sacrificial pawn that they could like toss to the other side and be like, "Sure, good, good, good job." Right, right. Uh, and I don't think that that is a good uh, mentality to have. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, I think that because these people are never going to stop. Never. They're gonna they're gonna chip away, you know, just bit by bit at the foundation. I mean, look at um, gun control in any country around the world. They oh never, yeah, they they never stop. Even in countries with draconian forms of gun control, when a shooting happens, people are out there clamoring for more and more and more. When they they, they don't even have any, it will never left. end. Just look at the UK; they're banning spoons now. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Oh boy, man! What at what point? At what point is is has it gone too far? Okay, so let, let, let's bring it back to Donald Trump a little bit. I asked you earlier, what? How do you how do you view the left's response to Donald Trump and his presidency? Do you think that they're all ridiculous? Uh, do you think they have some valid criticisms? What, what what is your view on them? Well, of course, some of them do have valid criticisms. I'm trying to think of a specific example. Oh well, I mean, for example, see, this is the thing though. I think a lot of the criticisms that that has to do with Trump has to do with the things he says, not necessarily the things he does. Correct. And I think that the Trump has been so polarizing that some elements of the left have actually just become extremely radicalized due to their hatred of Trump and what they perceive as a rising movement in America, you know, the alt-right that they think is like, you know, like Trump is like their cult leader and these people like worship him like he's like the, their pagan god or something, you know? <laughs> I mean, if you if you looked at the Donald on, on Reddit, you would probably think that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah you're, not, you're not wrong. Yeah, but I think a lot of the hysteria surrounding him is a little extreme and it's, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that I don't understand it because I do understand it and I think I don't like Trump on a personal level. I think he's done a lot of damage to this country actually not even just based off of his policy but based off of what he represents and yeah just what he stands for i guess what um, is it do you think he stands for see and this is kind of one of those things where i think the perception of it is off but it doesn't matter because all that matters that the end result is the same anyway so i think people view trump as this like like the symbol of white supremacy and like alt right, you know, like far right wing, like yeah, <laughs> like all that stuff. 
but I don't think Trump on a personal level is actually that right wing. <laughs> uh, I don't think he's a white supremacist on a personal level either. But I just think he's an old school rich white man, and that's how old yeah. school rich white men yeah. act. <laughs> exactly, he's an old, very wealthy, very uh, sheltered, rich white man who's lived in an ivory tower his whole life. You know. Yeah. Um, but I don't think he's some sort of, you know, he's not like the Grand Wizard of the KKK. <laughs> so let's let's move it over to voting how do how do you personally vote and how do you think liberals like us who value our second amendment rights should vote so i am not the most politically active person but i do think okay so yeah so i was old enough to vote my first time i could vote i think was for obama's second election right and at the time i actually was not a gun owner i didn't i didn't own any guns i didn't really know anything about guns and so I actually did vote for Obama uh, in the presidential election for his second term, uh, not really knowing that much about it, you know? I was also not as politically aware as I was now, or as back then as I am now. I think now, and this is going to rustle some feathers, folks, this is going to be a, this is kind of a, it's like a wedge issue right now, even among us liberal gun owners. Um, and I think right now, it's untenable to vote for any Democrat. Uh, and I say that, I know, it's not, I bet some people just heard that and were like, whoa, this guy's not a liberal, you know? <laughs> but I, I, I urge people to get out of the mindset of uh, equating liberalism with the Democrat Party because the Absolutely. Democrat Party and the Republican Party are, like, what they stand for, it changes. It's constantly shifting. Sometimes it swings, sometimes it flips, you know? It's constantly, it's a dynamic thing. And... Right now, the Democrat Party is not really that liberal. No, um, it's not. I'd say in a lot of ways, they're actually even more authoritarian than the right on some things. I mean, they're authoritarian in different ways, you know? Exactly, yeah, on different ways. But right now, the thing is that the Democrat Party has... Uh, they've rallied around gun control as the core of their platform. And I've, and I've even had people argue that that's not, even, that's not true and that's not the case. But it absolutely is the case. Like, it is. you guys need to, yeah, open your eyes, please. Because there's literally only one issue where every single Democrat, every every last one of them, completely uh, agrees. And they'll only spout the exact same lines on this topic, and that's Absolutely. gun control. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like they're reading from the exact same script. Which they are. They've yes. been told to say that by the party. And if they don't say that, the party will drop them. They'll sweep their legs out from under them and... They're never going to have a chance. So, uh, how, do you, how do you feel about voting for Republicans? Do you think that betrays the concept of liberalism, or do you feel like you do it out of necessity, or you just don't do it at all? Because personally, well, I, think, I don't I vote think, for either. I think everyone who is at least somewhat politically active has known for a very long time that in this country, you're always just voting for the lesser of two evils. And right now, I actually believe that the lesser of the two evils are the Republicans. And I'm not saying this about specific individual Republicans because there are some very scummy Republicans out there. Very scummy Republican politicians, I should say. Uh, but I can't, I can't bring myself to vote for a party that is actively trying to abolish the Constitution. I can't. And That's I, I just, hear you on that one. And a lot of people would probably come, like, want me to fight you on that. 
Now, mm-hmm. I personally don't fight, don't vote for Republicans or Democrats because I think they're both shit. But I do hear what you're saying that the Democrats have made a core principle of of how they intend to move forward in this country to combat our civil rights that are enshrined in the Constitution. And for me, that is just despicable and unforgivable. Yeah. The second is, in my opinion, in my and and this is just my opinion, but I think the Second Amendment is the most important uh, part of our Constitution. Because even more, even more important than the first, because the second protects the rest. Without the second, you, there's no, there's nothing to to stop a future government. And honestly, in some some ways, it's not even the future government; it's our current government. So, uh, from what would, you, what would you say to people who say, "Okay, you have all these guns and you have the Second Amendment. Why don't you do something?" Because we've already passed the line; we've already crossed the line where we live. Under you know, in territory. a lot of ways, I would say that the I would say that we're the American people of the same spirit as the or the Americans back in 1776. I, I I actually believe that we would be in the state of civil war right now because we our government has repeatedly infringed upon the second, the fourth, the fifth. I mean, red flag laws. Hello. Yes. NFA. That's an infringement. Yes. Yeah. I mean the the ban on the Hughes Act. Banning machine gun, that's an infringement. Absolutely. Um, I mean, back in the day, you could privately own your own naval destroyer, basically, or the, equip- the equivalent of it. Correct. You know, Correct. if you were, if you were wealthy enough, you could you could go around on, on a on a on a ship with fifty cannons on it. And that's and that is why I do not buy this argument that if the founding fathers knew that AR-15s were going to exist, they wouldn't have written the Second Amendment. Bullshit. Because oh please. A warship of that period could just roll right into New York Harbor right now and fucking yeah. level portions of the city right now. Yeah. Uh, and it's not like it's just warships. They could own artillery. Yep. They could own explosives. They could own any sort of heavy munitions, all forms of guns, you know, like, and, and I actually, and some might think I'm crazy for this, but I actually believe that that should be the case today. Oh, I think I, the I citizens should be able to, to be able to privately own weapons, that that the military has so absolutely um and it and it kind of is a self-correcting process because anyone who can afford you know like an m1 abrams isn't going like any someone with that kind of wealth is not going to you know ruin their life their livelihood by going on a rampage with an m1 abrams in new york city you know exactly exactly like bill gates isn't gonna be like you know fuck my life i'm just gonna (laughs) just go out in a blaze of glory um right And and with that and with that said, I think we'll wrap it up with this question here. What direction would you like to see gun rights go in the near future? You know, I I actually I really think that um I it, it it's 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 a it's a terrible thing to say, but I really think that we're looking at another assault weapons ban in the next uh next 20 years. Well, the Democrats are being so relentless and the yeah. Republicans The next time societies. the Democrats hold the presidency and the Senate, we are going to get an assault weapons ban. I can't disagree. Um, I just can't. Yeah, we. And not only are we going to get an assault weapons ban, we're going to get an assault weapons ban that considers anything you know over a five round capacity an assault weapon. So revolvers, bolt action guns, lever guns, like all, all the uh, shock shotguns, you know, pump action shotguns, they're not going to stop. 
No, they're not. They're, they're never going to stop. So the, the question uh, is, and though, they're gonna. What do you predict the compliance rate to be if that were oh. to be the case? Oh, no one's going to compliance. <laughs> you, you might get like, you might get a few people who just have too much to lose and they don't want to deal with this crap and they don't really shoot much anyway, so they're going to hand it over. You might get a few people who are actually just pandering, so they actually will go out and you know buy one of these guns ahead of time just so they could you know take pictures of, on Instagram of themselves turning in a gun, like oh look at me how look how progressive I am. Correct, correct. Um, We've already yeah, seen I mean it. just just look at the compliance rates in uh, in New Zealand. I believe they they received five hundred some automatic firearms out of three hundred thousand. Yes, yes. And I this is New that. Zealand. This is New Zealand. Yeah, okay. in America, yeah, no one's turning in their guns. But see, the thing is, I, I think, going back to what I said about how we, in an alternate universe, we would have been in a state of civil war, I think that the infringements are happening now, and they're happening, they're becoming greater and greater infringements, and at a higher frequency. And I think before it gets better, it's going to have to get a lot worse. Because uh, we as a people, I mean, we, we can talk about how you know, all the problems we have as a country and all that, but I, I, I still think that America is the greatest country on, in the world, and I think that we have, we, we, we lead some of the, we live some of the, the happiest and most content life of, of anyone on the planet. And before we give that up to sacrifice, you know, our livelihood and our lives for something, I think it's going to have to get a lot worse to the point that people start to realize we have nothing else to lose, you know? And I hope you're wrong. And and with that, do you have any closing statements or anything you just want to say? Anything you want to get off your chest or just out in the ether, as it were? Well, I'm really glad that we found, that I found this place, Two Liberals. I was active on Liberal Gun Owners, and then I was there when, I, when, when they banned you, uh, and then you came and started this subreddit, and immediately I messaged you, and I was like, I'd like to be a moderator at your subreddit. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I think this is the most politically active that I've been in my life, uh, and I don't see that diminishing. I only see that coming uh, more and more true. So I think in a lot of ways, becoming a gun owner has changed my life. Uh, some a little, in some ways for the better, in some ways for the worse. But I'm I'm glad that we have a place that we can talk about these things, and I know like. A lot of us don't agree on a lot of these issues, and we still have people coming from the left and the right. And these people are, you know, a lot of times they're they've been misinformed, or they're ignorant, you know. But I think it's and the the anonymity I think has has, has a lot to do with it. It's because it's it's easier to just you know be, be rude and talk shit to people like when you're not actually face to face with them. But you have to realize that the, every every person like behind every comment. There's a person sitting at a keyboard typing that who actually believes that. Yes. And yeah, and, and so just try to engage with as many people as you can. Don't don't stay. In, you know, don't stick to your echo chambers and just think, oh, you know, I'm right on everything. This is truth, and this is how this is how it is, right? Because no one's no none of us are right about everything. Talk to people on the subreddit that disagree with you. Like, message them yes. and message, like ask them like, why do you believe this? And I think it's it's still possible to change people's minds. Like I've changed people's minds on Reddit. Absolutely, and and we have people on the right. We have libertarians 
that have become a part of our daily lives on the subreddit and in our Discord. True. And yeah. <laughs> these are people we otherwise would have not even given the time of day should if we had listened to the rhetoric coming from the far left or the far right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we aren't um, in each other's throats. We're not killing each other. You know? Yeah. And and lastly I'll say I'll say this. I've lived I spent about half my life living in a very in one of the most progressive blue areas in the US. And I've spent the other half of it living in sort of a red state. It's kind of technically, I guess it's kind of purple, but it's. I'd say it it does lean kind of red, and there are as many conservatives as there are other, you know, li- liberals and libertarians and all that. And I think most of the people are more moderate than you might expect. But it, it it's just because of the internet and because of how uh, how the parties function that they you know they need to get people, they need to pull people over to the side. That we're we're seeing what we perceive as like this insane polarization. But it's uh, but yeah, just go out and talk to people. You know, Absolutely. like not every conservative believes in all the conservative values, and not every liberal believes in all the all the liberal values. So go out and talk to people. Agreed, one hundred percent. And with that, thank you, Etta, for being a part of the subreddit. Thank you for being a mod. It would not be the same without you, and I'm glad to have spent this time talking with you. <laughs> Thanks, Razor. All right, man. You have a good night. This is your host, Brad. Unfortunately, we don't have any advertisers at the moment. Thankfully, Patreon has us covered. As most people are aware, social media entities across the internet are clamping down on the ability for gun-related content producers to fund their projects. Your support on Patreon gives those of us here at the Second Amendment to Liberal podcast the ability to keep the lights on. As this project grows, expect interviews with interesting and notable people in the gun world, reviews of cool gun-related products, and travel to locations around the country to get the scoop on stories that otherwise would be out of reach. I have big things planned for the future of this podcast, folks. For $3 a month, you can pledge your support on Patreon. As things develop and take off around here, there will be all sorts of tears and perks. If you find yourself unable to support us monetarily, hey, that's cool. I understand. I know money is tight for many people right now, and I just appreciate you listening. Go to patreon.com slash 2A Liberal Podcast, the number 2, the letter A, Liberal Podcast, and become a patron today. Thank you very much for listening. All right, that's the show today. I'd like to thank Etta for our conversation there, and I'd like to shout out to everyone who listens to this podcast. Thanks, everyone.